Welcome into the Off the Post podcast. I'm Nick Delvion with my co-host Lucas Tashi. Today we're talking about World Cup qualifying. The pot is in. We have the group stage results, so we're going to go through that. We're going to talk about the results that we had from qualifying. Uh, we're going to go through our favorite, favorite soccer balls that we've ever seen or played with. Then we're going to run through the upcoming fixtures from the weekend, and we'll give our bets. We hope you guys enjoy the show. Lucas, the Swiss are back in it again. I mean, they've been in it. Come on, we knew this. We knew this. I said again. That's why I said again. Yeah, but like, honestly, at this point, Switzerland is a very underrated team. They always secure qualification for the World Cup. Like, uh, I think that they've secured qualification for the past eight tournaments, counting the Euros. So you have the World Cup, uh, you have Euro 2020. World Cup 2018, Euro 2016, like you can go back and back. I think up until the last tournament that they didn't reach was Euro 2004. And that's just impressive that they didn't reach. Like they've made so many consecutive tournaments. But uh, yeah, I mean, that that's a great start to the show because now you got me all hyped up about Switzerland. But there was a lot of soccer going on over the weekend. We we took a break because of the international break, but the international break this time around was massive just because it had so many implications with the World Cup qualifiers and the World Cup draw itself. So, Nick, if you want to run through some of the key takeaways for this weekend or this past weekend and give your thoughts, let's do that before we get into the actual draw that occurred today. Friday. Yeah, yeah, I agree 100%. I mean, Switzerland's making the World Cup in the Euros while my boys in Armenia are getting smashed 9 nothing to Norway. So it could be worse for you, Lucas. I can't even lie. I was so upset about it. Uh, I think, and I feel like we would probably agree on this, the, the biggest takeaway for, for me personally, for all the results, is that Italy misses its second consecutive World Cup. Right. I think I think uh, with all the other headlines, there's so much other important information out there to talk about. But for them, for the team, the team that won the Euros, right, to not be in this World Cup. I think it's so crazy to me. I mean, I understand that the squad doesn't really have, you know, a clinical finisher doesn't have like that star player that would blow your mind. But they're good enough to make the World Cup. They're not, that doesn't mean that they're going to win it, right? But they should, even if they they were to to go through qualifying to lose in the playoffs in the the second, you know, the second round of fixtures, mm-hmm. okay. But to lose to Ma- Northern Macedonia, uh, shocking, just absolutely shocking. That yeah, I went nuts during that game. Like I didn't watch. I watched the Portugal game. Because it was on TV, whereas the Italy-Macedonia game was on ESPN+. Plus. But I watched the last five minutes, and oh my days, that last five minutes was nuts. For some reason, I just knew there was going to be one shot taken, and it would just be a banger of a goal, and that's what it turned out to be. I screamed so loud because, I mean, it's actually quite embarrassing that Italy hasn't made the World Cup in two consecutive tournaments. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, and, and if you think about it, right, there's a lot of teams that have qualified with less than what Italy has. I know. And, 
And it's just, it's so, dis- it's so crazy to me because I, last time around, right, I just didn't feel like their players matched up w- with like the group that they were in and the playoffs that they had. Or, uh, so whatever. But this time around, they're, they're literally the, the European champions. So it's just, it's crazy to me that that happened. Uh, if you look at Macedonia, right, Northern Macedonia, they they have this incredible result, but then when they go in to play Portugal, right? Like I watched that game, they just got walked over. Like it wasn't yeah. it, it wasn't even competitive. There was no real time where Portugal was threatened by them. They had a complete control over the game, and I just think that uh, I just think that that speaks more to how poor and how Italy, Italy is, right? Exactly. Compared to to how you know Macedonia deserved that win because they really didn't. If you if you go through that game and I actually watched part of it, Italy dominated for for a large portion, but because of their lack of finishing, their un their inability to score, I mean that's what ended up uh, costing them. But at the same time, just absolutely uh, absolutely disappointing. Feel bad for for any supporters of Italy. Uh, the U.S. missed out with Italy, but they ended up getting in, right? Despite losing to Costa Rica the last round, doesn't matter to them. They got through. So, uh, I mean, ups our boys in uh, red, white, and blue. Yes, yes. I mean, can we can we just segue into that? Because we could spend we could spend forever talking about Italy, but I'd rather talk about the boys in uh, boys in red, white, and blue. Let's do it. Let's do it. Segue into the actual group stage. Let's do the USA first. Why don't we? Yeah. yeah. Group B. Because to be honest, Group A is a wash. It's there's nobody that's really like worthy to call out. We'll get back to Group A, but Group B, England, the United States of America, Iran are currently in it. The fourth is a European qualifier, which is either Scotland, Ukraine, or Wales. Nick, what are your thoughts on the group? Because for me, it seems like. It depends on who wins the European qualifier, but it should be a fairly easy group for England and U.S. to just go into the next uh, to the knockout stage. Yeah, I would say I would say if you look at the the teams uh, with the players themselves, that the U.S. very clearly has uh, the second most talented roster in this group. Right, a roster that's that's honestly competitive competitive enough to beat England too. But if you're looking against Iran and uh, or Iran, sorry, or uh, against Wales, Scotland, or Ukraine, right? I, I mean, I would favor the United States players over any of those those four teams. I think for uh, who gets out of the UEFA, uh, you know, the the UEFA qualifier matters. I would tell you the team that I probably fear the most is Ukraine, just because I just like their team. A lot better than than the other uh, the other three teams. I don't know if Ukraine will get through. I mean, they should beat Scotland, right? But that's also a very tight game. And then there's another tight game against Wales. There's just so much left to determine this last member of this group. I mean, I see the U.S. finishing second, uh, but but the biggest weakness that the United States has continues to be their coach, in my opinion. I agree. Berhalter is just not it, man. Like. Uh, I don't get it. Um, I think they can do so much better with the potential that they have of, in, the, in their players. I think they also have a big issue when it comes to their goalkeeper. Because personally, I don't think Stefan is the choice. 
No. I do think I do think Matt Turner is currently the better goalkeeper. Agreed. But but Stefan has the better potential, and that's just because Stefan doesn't play as frequently for Man City. So uh, it's there's still a lot of question marks for the U.S. But I do easily see them moving on, and I agree with you that it should be Ukraine advancing uh, into the World Cup. Um, of course, there are implications that anything could happen with Ukraine, how they play the games, what's going to happen. Um, but Wales is also a good shout for for a team. Uh, they walked right through their qualifications, uh, and they did fairly well as well. But I I would say, like I mentioned in the beginning. England is far and away the best team in the in the group. They should finish in first with the U.S. Uh, finishing second. Can can I say one other thing too? Uh, no, I mean whatever. This could be disrespectful to to Costa Rica, but there's no way that the United States should be losing the way they did in that game against Costa Rica. I don't know if you watched it, but it was just not a good performance at all. And I mean maybe they were kind of just like whatever because they felt like they they already made it, but I still wanted them to show up like they should have showed up to that game. It just didn't didn't feel like that. And I feel like ultimately that that falls on the coach and uh, and, you know, the kind of tactics that they had. If the if the starters, the normal starters didn't want to play, I'm sure there were a lot of backups that probably would have uh, given you effort. Like it's up to the coach to kind of understand the situation and play the the players that would lead to the win and are more motivated. But just doesn't doesn't seem like it's going to be working. And I feel like Lucas, like no matter what the U S does, uh, it won't change the fact that the biggest problem will continue to be the coach even after this world cup. Right. I would be shocked if, and I I'm saying this, but I want the U S to go far, but I would be shocked if they even made it to, to the quarterfinals. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would agree with you. They should make it to the round of 16, but the quarterfinals, it, it'll be difficult for them to get through. However, that's a good segue because they could potentially get into the quarterfinals through an easy, easy round of 16 matchup because they would face either first or second place in Group A. And yep. going into Group A, that, I would say, is the worst group out of all of them. You have Qatar, you have Ecuador, Senegal, and the Netherlands. Netherlands, far and away the best team Senegal is the second best team, and uh, I mean, that's saying something, that Senegal is the second best team. Um, I don't want to discredit Senegal because they do have fantastic players. Sadio Mane, uh, Edouard Mendy, like, they have fantastic players, but like, the overall squad compared to the likes of Netherlands, Netherlands is the best team, and I can see the U.S. compete against the Netherlands because, to me, they're still so many flaws in that Netherlands team that they need to fix up as well. So that's why I would say the U.S. can get into the quarterfinals. Very difficult. But that group, A hey man, it's just so bad. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I I mean, the, the only reason that I feel like the quarterfinals is difficult is because they would have to face a team like Netherlands. If they're to somehow finish first in the group, and they have finished first, in a group with England before. Uh, but I just think that if they are to finish first, that that opens the door for them. The thing that that keeps me from saying that, you know, they won't make it to the quarterfinals is because I don't think their coach is good enough. Like Southgate has his own yeah. issues, right? His own issues. 
but I feel like we would agree that he's he's a level above Berhalter. You know what I mean? Like he's he's made the Euro finals. He's he's made the the World Cup semifinals. Like he's a very well experienced manager in these situations. Berhalter is not. So just like just based on that difference, that's why I foresee them, you know, finishing second and based on the projections playing the Netherlands. If they were to play Senegal, right, which I think we both kind of assume that Senegal would be the team that finishes second, they were to play Senegal then I think it totally opens up the opportunity for them if they don't get, you know, a bunch of lasers shoved in their faces throughout the game. Yeah, yeah that that was wild. That's another thing we missed to call out. That Egypt and Senegal game where it was a penalty shootout and the lasers, Nick was watching that game. <laughs> and, oh, my days, I watched those highlights. Just insane. I, I don't know how you can let that fly by. So hard to watch, Lucas. Like, 55 yeah. fouls in 120 minutes. Uh, I stopped watching when it went to extra time because, you know, Portugal started playing against Northern Macedonia. Uh, and so and so I just flipped between the two. But but I mean, 50, 55 fouls and uh, it goes to PK shootout. The first like I think two players on each team missed their penalties. Right. Salah as well shanks it. Uh, but but I mean, the lasers like don't really impact anything. Senegal was probably the better team, like the best team went through whatever. Uh, feel bad for Mo Salah because, you know, there's no one else on that Egypt national team other than him. <laughs> but we'll see. We'll see what happens with him and his international future. Senegal, uh, I mean, good team, probably the best team in Africa uh, currently, right? So yeah. they're the ones. They're the ones that that everyone's looking to 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 kind of be the team that goes far like Ghana did when they went to the to the quarterfinals, right? And almost went to the semifinals. Uh so so hopefully, you know, I mean, I would love for a team from uh from Africa to win it. I think that would be sick. I don't know that if that'll happen though. Uh no. No. We'll get into favorites later on, but yeah. yeah, I don't foresee Senegal going far in this tournament. Um but yeah, so we agree Netherlands and Senegal are the two far and away best teams. Ecuador Ecuador doesn't really have anybody and yeah. Qatar is only there because they paid for it. Yeah. Okay, fair. fair. <laughs> the, less we, the less we talk about Qatar, the better, because we can go on a tangent about how corrupt FIFA is and how Qatar sucks and it shouldn't be in this World Cup. But we've talked about that quite enough over the past year uh, when we've had the discussion about the World Cup. So let's move on to Group C, which, in my opinion, could be one of the more difficult groups. Uh, three of the four teams are really, really good, like high quality teams. Yeah. You have Argentina, Poland, Mexico, and a, a wash away, a throwaway, Saudi Arabia. So for us, I think we would both agree that Argentina is the best team in the group, and they've been in fantastic form. I think there was a stat that they've been unbeaten in 21 games. Um, majority of which have been wins, but a few draws here and there. But that's that's very impressive. Uh, if they continue that run with Messi's last World Cup, it could be a fairy tale ending for for Messi. Poland and Mexico, two teams that are fairly even, but both are very very high quality talent. Uh, Poland, especially with Lewandowski, this is likely going to be his last World Cup. Uh, but they do have high-quality players as well. Uh, Wojciech Chesney, um, to name one of his, go- like, 
one of the best goalkeepers in the world at the moment. Really, really good form. Uh, and then Mexico with uh, Raul Jimenez. Uh, I'm, I'm forgetting Irving his name from Napoli. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, really, I think this is one of the tougher groups to uh, predict in terms of who's going to finish second. I think we would agree Saudi Arabia is just going to finish last, uh, as expected. Um, and then Argentina could finish first. But, Nick, what are your thoughts? No, I mean, honestly, I'm shocked that that uh, Saudi Arabia qualified. Uh, I, the same things that we feel about Qatar, I also equally feel about uh, Saudi Arabia. So, I mean... For them to for them to make it uh, good for them, I can't even remember the last time they made the World Cup if they ever did. Uh, I don't think. Let me see, let me see. Yeah, they. So they they. <laughs> I mean, whatever doesn't matter to me. I I think that I ultimately agree with you. I would probably pick Poland over Mexico, but Mexico has just played so well uh, recently, and just just in my in my eyes, you know. Is this probably the last World Cup for for Lewandowski as well? It's possible, uh, given his age, right? I yeah. just, it's it's definitely Messi's and it's definitely Ronaldo's. But I I mean I think we we see this happening the same way. The thing that's crazy though, Lucas, is we will we will probably uh, be shocked at some of the results we see as we do like every single World Cup. And I feel like if we're to see something that happens with like Mexico, for example, finishing first. Like I would not be surprised if any of the three finished first in this group. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent agree with you there. Uh, f- I mean, France has like a, in my opinion, like a walkthrough for Group D, right? Uh, it's it's them. It's the playoff winners of either Peru or Australia and the U- UAE. Uh. And then Denmark and Tunisia. I mean, Denmark, Christian Eriksen came back and scored, right? For the that was an awesome story. Yeah, great story. Uh, love Denmark, root for them. Uh, hope they make it far, but I think we both universally agree France and Denmark are the two teams, no matter who comes out of that international playoff. Yes, 100%, easily. Yep. Uh, Group E, uh, yeah. two top teams. This is going to be one of the funnest games to watch, in my opinion. Spain and Germany. Yes. Wow. Especially with the form that Spain has been in now. They have such good quality young talents coming up. Uh, They have Pedri, Gavi, Ferran Torres, all flourishing right now under Xavi. Uh, it's It's going to be fun to watch this Spanish team grow. I can see it being like the golden age where they had the Puyol, Xavi, Iniesta, Fernando Torres, David Villa. And like these Spanish players can step up into that next stage. Uh, And this is the place that they they can showcase that. With Germany, it's the same old story. You have the top quality players. We don't know how Joshua Kimmich will be, but you know you'll have the Leroy Sanes. You have Timo Werner. You have Thomas Müller. Um, and you have a fantastic coach behind you leading that team fully, fully expecting Spain and Germany to just, like we said about France, walk through this entire group because you have Costa Rica and New Zealand as the playoff game to get into the group. And then you also have Japan. So either of the playoff teams or Japan, just in my opinion, don't stand a chance 
no. against me in Spain. No. I, I mean, I agree 100%. Uh, Hans Flick has only not won one game, and it's been a draw to Netherlands. He's won all nine or, or all eight of his other games. He's only coached nine, but I mean, he uh, he continues to prove that he's one of like the five best coaches in the world, right? And I mean, they're said about Luis Enrique. Same thing you can say about it. I mean, five five best international coaches for sure for Luis Enrique, right? But but Hans Flick is. I mean, Luis Enrique has also done it at the club level. I mean, crazy, yeah. right? Just crazy. Two great coaches, two great squads. Uh, both will be the favorites to to go through. I think Germany's biggest problem is really who's going to be their goal scorer. But in the case of the World Cup, it's always Thomas Muller, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. matter. So, so you know what? That problem is not – it's only a problem in the Euros, not a problem in the World Cup. So they got that covered this time around. I think I think one of their problems is who's going to be their back four because right now they have they have Rudiger, but like the other four are like we we don't really know who's going to be there. Yeah. You could have Hoffman, you could have Matthias Ginter, but like there's not many options. Jonathan Ta, like you know, back in the day they would have quality center backs, yeah. right backs, Philip Lahm come yeah. through. They have, um, so they have Nicholas Sewell too, right? And uh, I mean, Robin yeah. Gosens is hurt right now, so that's why he he wasn't called that's up, from what I remember. You know, but they, they they'll, in my opinion, Lucas, I think they'll they'll have that uh, situated, right? It's not as if it's not as if they don't have good players at those positions. It's just that they don't know who their best starting four yes. is. Yeah. So yeah. so I feel like they'll have time to figure that out because the uh, because of the fact that the World Cup's in the winter. They'll have the yeah. summer to figure it out with UEFA Nations League, so I don't, I don't see that being uh, like a huge problem for them. That that's a good call. Yeah, you're right. Uh, going into this group, so so we have Belgium, Canada, Morocco, and Croatia, which I think is a great group. I think, uh, I mean, it's tough to say which is a group of death, right, Lucas? But if we're going through uh, the first half of the groups, right. And then the the second half, the last three groups, F through H, are considerably more stacked compared to the first five. And yes. I think uh, I think this group is really tough, right? I mean, we, we want to say Croatia and Belgium, but Belgium has pretty much uh, kind of they're, they're, in my opinion, their last chance and their only chance was to win it when the, when they played France in the semifinal four years ago because that was the best squad that they've ever had. And now it's an aging squad, right? They still have Kevin De Bruyne. They still have Hazard if he can stay healthy, like Lukaku, right? Like they have players, but uh, Tillemans, you know, so, so it's not as if they don't have players. They can most certainly be a factor here, and Croatia can be a factor as well. I feel like Canada, though, is like, they're so happy to be here. They want to play. Like I can see them also going far. Morocco is very talented as well. This is a tough group. I can't see Canada going far, but I can see them finishing in second. That's because what I mean. they have talented young players: Alfonso Davies, Jonathan David, and those players are a step above that they can bring the rest of the players with them. So I, I think uh, they have been fantastic in the group as well. Uh, not sorry, in the qualification as well, where they have just been dominating the entire group. They sure. they've beaten the likes of U.S. They've beaten the likes of Mexico, and they did it this past international break without Alfonso Davies. Yes. So their their team is really interesting, especially their coach John Herdman, because he uh, 
you know, he came and uh, he's a British coach. He went to coach New Zealand, like women's national team from like 2006 to 2011, then became the women's national team uh, coach for Canada, you know, and led them to a very successful campaign, right? Like, uh, you know, uh, medals at like the, the Olympics and uh, doing well and qualifying for the, the women's world cup, all that stuff for, for, for my, in my opinion, right? Like they, Canada did something really smart, which you don't see really other national teams doing. Saw they had a successful coach for the women's national team, decided to bring him over, give him a shot for the men's national team. And it's been so successful for them, right? He's led them to their their highest ever FIFA ranking uh, yeah. and to their first World Cup in 36 years. Dude's won 70% of his gains. So, you know, I, I just want, oh, would like to give that guy a shout because – uh, and I, you know, I hope that's something that's a trend that we see going forward. I, at, for one time, right. I wanted, uh, Jill Ellis, the women's national team coach to coach the men's national team. Cause she was good. You know, she was she, good. so, so that's, that's, uh, that's a good shout to, uh, to Canada. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I hope they have a successful campaign. It's going to be fun. This group's going to be fun Go back to, the, to the rest of the group. Cause I know you gave your thoughts. I agree with you about Belgium. Their best chance was four years ago against against France, definitely an aging squad. Uh, same can be said about Croatia, and even more so Croatia, because very, very aging squad. Uh, the fact that Croatia four years ago even made the World Cup is a historic right. feat in itself. But now with Modric being, I think, 37? Doesn't matter to him. <laughs> like, it's, bruh, it's old, old, like very so old. So old, but it's crazy because he's still playing uh, some of the best football of his career, right? They yeah, they fair. have him. They have uh, they have Kovacic, who's 27. He's kind of younger. Like Vlasic yeah. is 24. Like there's some aging players for sure. But uh, I mean Perisic, right? Like 33. Luka Modric is is kind of like the oldest player. It's a it's a it's a younger team than it, it what we saw at the the finals of the World Cup last time around. Lucas, there's some players there, but they're they're kind of filtering in, you know, newer players to play in the system. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, our boy Orsic got called up. Uh, he always plays great in, like, the biggest games. They, they have a striker. They still have Kramerich. And, uh, I mean, I'm excited to see how they look, right? I'm excited. I haven't watched too much of them uh, recently. Yeah, neither have I. But I, I see Belgium still winning the group and then Canada finishing second, in my opinion. I, I do like this Canadian side. Going into Group G, though, uh, Nick said from the beginning of the podcast that this is one of the toughest groups. We talked about Switzerland already, but the rest of the group is Brazil, Switzerland, Serbia, and Cameroon. And to be honest, I'm not quite worried. Um, from, a, from a Swiss perspective, I can see Switzerland competing against Brazil. And also, it's kind of corrupt. Two World Cups in a row, we have to face Brazil. That's nonsense. Unreal. Last World Cup, we had to do it. Now we have to do it again. Come on. Just remember. You guys always end up playing like the number one team, according to FIFA, in your group stage at the World Cup, right? I remember it was Spain. Oh. I remember it was Brazil. And like Brazil again. You guys play yes. against in the Euros. Like, it's crazy. Oh, oh, unreal. But like Brazil, last four years ago in the World Cup, that's where it became the meme of Neymar, and he kept rolling because he kept getting fouled by, by Switzerland. 
And this Swiss side now is, in my opinion, a lot better than the Swiss side four years ago because they're a lot more mature. They have a lot better quality players uh, with the aging players getting better. Like they have a Kanji who stepped in and has been fantastic. Switzerland made a run in the Euros, but now those players from the Euros have learned. They've gotten better. They aren't as nervous anymore, the young kids. I, I see Switzerland going through, um, but of course, Serbia and Cameroon. Cameroon, one of the most historic African soccer teams uh, ever. The, they have made made it to the World Cup most out of any other African team. And then Serbia, they're just they won their group against Portugal, uh, and a difficult team. Not, I would say, a more tedious team to play. But yeah. of course, the standout here is Brazil, um, ranking number one in the world right now. Of course, they're in fantastic form at the moment. Neymar just plays so much better with Brazil than he does with PSG. It's insane. Uh, the rest of the side, they have Coutinho stepping up. They have uh, Bobby Firmino, they have Richarlison, they have Vinny Jr. who's uh, getting into his own now. This team is going to be dangerous to beat. Uh, even Dani Alves is still playing, which is unreal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think Brazil is definitely... Uh, it's going to be a tough game against Switzerland, right? I could totally see Switzerland getting a draw. But in my eyes, uh, Cameroon... like. Congrats on making the World Cup. I do see them finishing fourth because I just don't think their squad is as good as the other three. It's really it's really two spots for for these three teams. I think Serbia's played really well too, Lucas. And they got they got some world class players there too, like Milinkovic Savic, right? So and, and yes, yes. Yep. So so you know, like it's good it's three good teams for two spots. I think Brazil gets it and uh you're my boy, so I'll pick Switzerland too. Let's go. The last uh, right? This is to, one go. one call out for, for Serbia. Mitrovic, prolific striker right now at the moment. He's in incredible form. Crazy. But, that, <laughs> but that's because he plays in the championship for yes. Poles. Once he comes up to the Premier League, his form is going to tank. And he's going to do horribly because he always scores 40 goals in the championship. And then once he gets to the Premier League, he just can't do anything. So that's my one shout out. I hope his form is horrendous once they once Fulham get promoted to the Premier League. <laughs> I think that's so funny. Uh, the last group that we gotta go through is Group H with Portugal, Ghana, Uruguay, and South Korea. Uh, I mean, Portugal and Uruguay are the two teams that stand out squad wise to me, right? Uh, yep. Portugal is if they had a center back that they were starting next to Ruben Diaz, who is not like 40 years old, they would be, they would be, I mean, I would be so comfortable picking them to win the tournament, but I just can't see it. Uh, their group stage is super favorable for them, right? Because the only team that they play against that really has any pace up front is your Uruguay with, you know, Darwin Nunes. So I think, uh, I think that in this group, right, I favor Portugal and Uruguay to, to go through. I think it's pretty, pretty straightforward. Uh, so very sorry yeah. to part. You have to give a shout out to uh, South, South Korea, Korea, though. South yeah. Korea for Youngmin Son. He can he can just do wonders. Um, he sure. he is killing it right now. He's in the form is form of his life. But yeah, I see them finishing third. And also, you have to you have to point out that it was the 2014 World Cup. Was it 20, 2014 World Cup? 
Ghana versus Uruguay in the quarterfinals. <laughs> that was where Luis Suarez put his arm up, blocked that uh, Ghana goal that would have caused Ghana to win in extra time, move on to the semifinals, and then Uruguay ended up winning. I think Ghana is going to come back for revenge. So uh, I can see Ghana playing that game against Uruguay very tough. Because yeah. you can't, I think there are still players that either watched or played in that game that are pissed. So that that's going to be a fun game to watch. If uh, if Henry and Son, you know, started for Manchester United or Arsenal and was their only striker, he would score like 30 goals a season, not even thinking about it, right? He plays out on the wing with Harry Queen, Harry Kane, sorry, not Harry Queen. <laughs> I that dude, that was such a Freudian slip. <laughs> so funny, but uh, <laughs> but uh, I mean, that's just a talent to to how world class he is, right? He is, in my opinion, one of like the 10, 10 to fifteen best forwards in the in the world. I don't think there's yeah. any debate about that. But at the same time, Portugal and Uruguay go through. Yeah, yeah. So Nick, with that betting odds, because we love to bet on, yes. on this show. Who is the favorite? And yeah. we did for the Champions League. Who do you think is the favorite in terms of odds? And who do you think is the best in terms of uh, actual betting situations? Yeah. So I would have who to say that for, the, yeah. for the best payout. So so I have not looked at the um, the futures for the World Cup yet. Okay. Right? Don't look at it. Don't look at it. Make it a, make a prediction right now. Who is favored right now? Which team? Brazil. Like, it has to be Brazil, right? Uh, Yeah. I I had to pick. If I had to pick, I mean, off the top of my head, it would probably be Brazil. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, France would be second, right? Yep. Am I right? Right. Okay. Uh, The the next one is so tough, right? So I would have to guess either between England or Argentina. Wow. Uh, Am I wrong? Correct. First one was correct. Okay, so Argentina. Oh, and England. Then, oh, England? Okay. Oh, you're right. Because I, well, I was going to pick England of the two. Uh, I just yeah. thought I said Argentina first. Okay, so yeah. so England. And then it's t- it gets so tough after that, right, Lucas? Like, um, I don't know. Those would be those would be the three that are favorites, right? That's so now, now, yeah. now I'll, I'll open up fans. I'll tell you the odds right now. I'll tell you the odds so you don't okay. have to go through. So you have Brazil plus 500. Okay. France plus 550. England plus 650, Spain plus 750, Argentina plus 850, Germany plus 950, okay. Belgium plus 1,000, Portugal plus 1,100. Okay. And I think another one you sh- you should probably be able to skip. Okay. So so part <laughs> part of the, part of the thing is here, right? Is um you want to you want to pick a team that you think is going to go far, right? With the, the path to least resistance. Like we saw this play out essentially with uh, the other side of the bracket, right? Com- I mean, France ended up ultimately winning, right? But on the other side, you had like Russia, you had, uh, you know, you had England, you had Croatia, you had like, you had all these teams that, that basically yeah. were beatable. And so that's yeah. how Croatia ends up. Croatia has one tough game to get go through, right? Basically, they they beat uh, they beat England, mm-hmm. you know, uh, they beat Russia because Russia had beaten Spain, from what I remember off the top of my head. So, yeah, correct. 
Right. So, so Croatia really had one tough game to go through on one side of the brackets, which is why they ended up in the final. If you look at the other side, though, Belgium had to play France in the semifinal, right? After I'm pretty sure playing Brazil, right? Playing Brazil, uh, Portugal was on that side of the bracket. Argentina was on that side of the bracket. It was just such a tough bracket. Uh, that's in that situation that ultimately, like you know, you that's why you see Croatia going in the final. And and honestly, Lucas, in hindsight, I look back and I think about uh, Iran and Portugal drawing with each other. And that being the thing that ended up uh, having Portugal be on that side of the bracket compared to the easier side of the bracket, right? Where they ended up having to, you know, to not have a real opportunity to get to to the final because they just had a bunch of tough games they had to play in the beginning. And the same thing to Argentina, you know? Mm-hmm. You play you play France, you have Pavard shooting that ridiculous volley into the top corner of the net like a monster. And, uh, I mean, Di Maria, uh, like, scored, I know, but, like, it was just crazy. Crazy game. Uh, but but that's what ends up happening if you have a tough tough uh, fixture with the pairing of the groups. So with that being said, groups F G in terms of value, like I wouldn't look really at, at any of those teams. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, groups G and H. Let me say that in particular. Uh, the groups, the team that I like in terms of value here for for a bet, I like Germany at plus nine fifty. Uh, okay. I think they played really well. Of as of recently, their one weakness was their coach, uh, and it ultimately has become a huge strength for them, right? So, so you're looking for other reasons. I like that in terms of value. Um, give me one second. For some reason, it took me to FanDuel Casino. You give me your you give me your value bet, and then I'll I'll continue with my other one. Argentina plus eight fifty. Okay, Argentina plus eight fifty is a good one too, because if Argentina finishes first, right? They they don't have to play France, exactly. So but exactly. if but if they finish second, Lucas, they play France. And if they play France, I mean, I I love Argentina. I love how they've played. I favor France in that game. As up you, right? Because France is France is on paper. Uh, I get Brazil is the number one team FIFA ranking wise, and they have they're very talented. France is still the number one team on paper, uh, in my opinion. I agree with you, but. Okay finish first they get denmark they do they do or australia or but peru denmark's a tough team now too right a tough and unified team right under their boy ericsson but i think argentina i think argentina, martinez they yes. now have a goal yes uh i think i think argentina wins that game for sure right so so your odds at argentina plus 850 i like as well man i mean if if Portugal finishes first, right, in that group, uh, that's huge for them. So huge. Because because the the difference between playing Brazil and playing, you know, Switzerland or Serbia is, mm-hmm. is huge. But, like, they could still lose that game against either of those teams, right? Yeah. They've lost to Serbia before. Uh, yeah. You know, Belgium... I mean, tough for Belgium because either way, you're getting you're getting Spain or or Germany, and for 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 Germany, if you finish first in that group, like I like your chances, and I like Spain's chances as well. Like Spain was another shot that I was gonna get because I feel like, you know, whoever emerges from that group will will end up going far. I don't know, Lucas. This is gonna be tough. It look it's set up it's set up for the first four groups to go very far. So like yeah. if you if you tell me that. England, Argentina, or France end up in the final on that one side. 
I'm pretty confident in that. Yeah, yeah, uh, I'm with you on that. I, I can also see England plus 650 being good odds as well because if even if they they win the group or even if they finish second, they get Netherlands and Netherlands is beatable. I agree. I agree. Super, super interesting. Uh, I mean, we spent a lot of time on this, Lucas. So, so I mean, we'll probably go into our picks again when we're yeah. super close. Who's your, who's your pick right now, though? Argentina. Argentina? Okay. You want am, I being, Get it. am I being biased because I want to see that fairy tale ending? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Can I actually see it legitimately happening? Yes. yes. Did I predict in 2016 that Brazil would win the 2022 World Cup? I did. Did I also predict that in 2016 that France would win the 2018 World Cup? I did. Yeah. So I actually have a note from like 2016 that I'm referring to that I said, okay, France is going to win the 2018 World Cup. Brazil is going to win the 2022 World Cup. And I have Italy winning the 2026 World Cup. Okay. So, I mean, that would be insane if it actually happens, comes to fruition. But... Uh, that's why I, I do like this France, uh, Brazil side a lot, but of course France right behind them, but yeah. I just, my heart in my heart, I want Messi to win that world cup. <laughs> I mean, I listen, I love, I, I would love for, for Ronaldo to lift it. Right. And his squad is so talented, but I just can't get over, I can't get over Pepe or Rui Font starting for them, you know, yeah. like, so, so I can't, I can't get over that. They other, every other position that they, they, that they have is literally a world-class player. Every yeah. position except for that starting center back. You could play, please, you could play, man. I mean, you could play a right back or a left back as a center back. I don't care. I'll take that over either of those 40-year-olds. And I would, I would want Portugal to go far, but I, I'm going to have to pick for, uh, France. The answer is France for me until it's not. All right, fair. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there yeah. you can see I can see France Brazil being in the final. Yes. Yeah. I okay. can easily. Well, if they finish in the same but yeah, I can definitely see that. Yeah, it just depends on on how, you know who, who the matchups in the round of 16 uh, are and how it plays out. But yeah. We'll see we'll see what happens. Super excited for it. We spent a lot of good time analyzing the qualifiers of the World Cup and the 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 draw, right? So I think uh, I think what I want to do is I want to go to my favorite topic of uh, of this week's episode, Lucas, and I want to talk about uh, favorite soccer balls. Right. So they released the uh, the new edition of the 2022 World Cup ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when I saw that, I kind of thought about this segment, like for us to pick each of us, pick our three favorite balls ever design wise, play wise, whatever, just ones that we liked. And I just wanted to see if our list matched up. It would have been from any league, right? Maybe we'll give a shout for, for a couple of balls and like other times. But um, what I want to do is I want to go from three to one. I want you to give your third favorite and then I'll, I'll give my third and then we'll go from there. Okay. Okay. All Got right. It. So you start first. Javelani, number three. Javelani. I had that as I think my number three too. Really? Yes, dude. Yes. I mean, I have a feeling we may have the same three, but the Jabulani is world class. Like you shoot yeah. that ball, the free kicks were so fun. I, loved I know. It. I loved it. Okay, and also it made the game a lot more fun in that World Cup because you had Diego Forlan just score from forty yards yeah. out, yes. unreal free kicks. Like uh, it was so much fun to watch. All the goals were all the goals were crazy. The Van Persie header. 
Yes. Where he yeah. does like it's like the flying Dutchman. He he jumps from like it, it, right out inside the the twenty yard box and hits the header for like twenty like twenty yards out. Crazy, crazy. Best header yeah. I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, and what a ball from Daily Blind too. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, it's you know a goal is filthy when you remember who crossed it and who scored it like exactly. that. Exactly. Crazy to me. Exactly. Yeah. All right, so what's your number two? My number two is the 2006 World Cup ball. Okay. I love that ball. What's up? Go ahead. Okay, I love that ball just because of the padding and stuff. It was, like, the first time I ever saw anything like that. And, like, when I first started uh, playing soccer or, like, recognizing soccer as something, like, super important in my life was around those times, right? Zidane headbutting Matarazzi, you know, like Portugal, like having one of the most talented teams we've ever seen and, and losing out in like 2006. And uh, I mean, it was just it was just fun, fun times. And I remember, you know, when you're, you're a kid, right? Like, uh, I mean, my, my dad had just passed away, but but basically we had watched the World Cup. And then I just remember seeing these balls everywhere and everyone playing with them and having them. So I, I like remember those super fondly. And I really like uh those those balls specifically that was my number one that was your number one okay okay yeah for that exact same reason just how memorable it was it was the first time that they removed the like octagon octagon shape of the ball to be like something different and it was just so cool i thought and i had a real one and it was i played with it all the time it was just it was great it was great it was a good ball even if you have it today like anybody will see that that has played soccer for for 10 15 years and be like that's a good ball yes yeah agreed so my second one because i mean your second one is my first my second one is every single uefa champions league ball with okay. the star okay every single one because every year it's pretty much the same thing just a yes. slight change in designs so i just love that champions league ball it's just so iconic so memorable and yeah yeah that's that's mine yeah, I so that was so tough for me. That was that was if I was to make a list of five, that was that was gonna be number four, especially when they started doing the stars as the patches instead of the octagon within the stars. Like I think they they started doing that in like two thousand nine or two thousand ten, yeah. something like that. But um, but I remember those two, and those those were always the coolest balls that that anyone played with, right? So I remember those, and I still love those. Like every year, it's, it's never disappointing to see it because it's the same design every time, but it's incredible every time. Um, so my, what's number, your number one? my number one is the Euro 2008 ball. Love that ball. Love that ball so much, Lucas. Like I can tell you that that ball, just like the circles, the the patch around with the circles on the inside, the memories that I have like with that tournament specifically, right? Because before that tournament, I just remember I was like, I want Spain to win. Uh, I had like I had just gone to see my family in Spain. I think the summer before, and I was like, I want to go to I want Spain to win because I have family there, and I was like, that that's the team I want. And uh, I just remember like just the team they had like David Villa, Sergio Ramos uh Puyol you know kept the via like they had they had Marco Senna like Xavi Alonso Xavi Iniesta they had so many players and uh you know how can we forget Fernando Torres like yeah that goal right I mean the, the final was was boring but I just I remember that ball I love that ball the same thing that happened in 2006 
happened in 2008 with that ball where like everyone had it and everyone played with it. Uh, super special ball. Euro 2004, I think it was the, called the Gloria. Loved it. Uh, if I have it again, I would enjoy playing with it 100%. That was a great shout. Fantastic. Yeah. Like, wow. Okay. Honestly, no complaints. That's no complaints. for number one. That's good. For me, yeah. my number like I mentioned, Team Geist, that's what it's called. The yeah. 2006 World Cup ball. Yeah. Uh, just an unreal ball. Um, but yeah, honestly, a lot of similarities. But I, I think one constant that we can like agree on is the fact that balls have developed so much over the years and they're more interesting now they they've made the game a lot more fun whereas back in the day you would have that square uh octagon black and white ball it's just the basic ones and it's it the ball wouldn't move how you want it to move and now the ball moves so much better um it's just it's a lot of fun to play with it's it like a lot of fun to see the actual players professionals work with the uh, different ball because a player that knows how to strike a new ball very well they become a standout player like i mentioned diego forlan in that jabulani yes i think i think this uh, i mean if you think about it right like the balls and the designs of the balls similar to like the cleats the training gear the jerseys like it's all it's all become kind of like fashionable right in a, in a sense yeah, for, especially yeah. for players so when when we look at it like it's 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 just the colors, the way things are shaped. It's it's become super attractive to to us to look at and and to admire and even to play with. So you know, it's just it's just like the same thing when you know when you hear Jogo Benito, like that's that goes into it, right? Like you, it, it's just uh, it's just part of the beauty of the sport. Agreed, agreed. All right, Lucas. So with that being said, you know we can go into upcoming fixtures and tie it into our bets. But I think that. Uh, it's time to move on. So I have not decided on my bets for the weekend, Lucas. I haven't even had time to today. I'm not going to lie. So uh, if you would like to kick it off with your first bet, please do so. Sounds good. Sounds good. To be honest, there aren't many fixtures this week, but there is the Champions League going on starting on Tuesday. So uh, that is one thing to keep in mind. So likely we will have three bets. The first two are probably going to be the ones that you should – likely bet on the third one is one that's you can you can skip out on if you're if you don't trust it that's our wash bet um but my first one nick is arsenal minus 105 money line versus crystal palace uh arsenal plus 135 money line against villa last week was a huge dub now we have arsenal minus 105 money line against crystal palace they've been in incredible form and I don't think the international break is going to stop that form that they're in. They'll continue to win these games that they should win. And uh, easy money right there. That's a good one. I mean, I'm so tempted. Uh, I have to just check one thing before I place this bet. But I'm very tempted to pick Newcastle over Tottenham at plus 550. Um, and I'm just feeling I'm just feeling meaty. But, but Tottenham's form has been so good lately, actually. It's so tough for me to call because Newcastle has also been good, but they lost their last two. Um, yeah. So it's tough, man. It's a tough bet. Uh, ultimately, I probably won't do that bet. And uh, go to your second one because I still need to think a little bit more on this one. My second one is a uh, barn burner in the city. Uh, uh, oh. a, battle, a battle between two top five teams. 
And I think the, the this spread is like kind of disrespectful because Atalanta is not in the best form at the moment and Napoli is in full strength. So Napoli is the underdog at the moment at plus 220. So I really like Napoli plus 220 money line versus Atalanta. That's good. I like that too. Uh, I'm actually going to pick the Real Madrid money line against Celta Vigo at minus 115. Uh, I really like that. You get close to even odds. Madrid just lost their last league game, which means that I feel like they're, they're tempted to, to win their next one. Celta Vigo is only 11th. They're not in good form. So that would be my first bet. I uh, just really like that bet. That's a good one, right? Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I'm going to go to Liverpool against Watford. Uh, I mean, Watford famously beat Liverpool. I don't think that's going to happen in this situation. Uh, I like any time goal scorer, right? Uh, the thing that's difficult with Liverpool is, like, everyone that's their forward is, like, a plus whatever favorite. Uh, yeah. To score. Uh, it, I mean, in this case, like, I, I kind of want to just pick – uh, Luis Diaz. I really like Luis Diaz. I feel like he's he's had uh, had a good job in going into form. The thing that's a problem though, Lucas, is like I don't know who's going to start this game, right? So yes, let's, I, so let's think, preface it. Let's yeah. preface it by saying check the lineups before. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. So so I think this would be more so like my third my third bet, not my lock it in. Okay. You know what I mean? So I think that's what. I'm gonna... All right, I, I get what you mean. Uh, your third bet, so the second bet is going to be the one that you're more inclined to do. But I would definitely agree. Let's let's make sure that we check the lineups before we go out. I would I would say that you check the lineups if we bet on a goal scorer. You check the lineups no matter what before they go out. That is our suggestion. I definitely think that's the approach because there can be a situation where we say to bet on a Luis Diaz to score and he doesn't start, it's very unlikely that he will score. So just take those, not with a grain of salt, but just do your due diligence as well. Yeah, I agree with that ultimately. And I think for, I mean, I think for my last bet, right, I'm going to go to Bayern Munich versus Freiburg and I'm going to do a first goal scorer, I'll do Robert Lewandowski at plus 185. I have a bet in that uh, – no, not in that same game. But I do have a Bayern Munich bet, which is my third one. Okay. And that is that is against Villarreal. Bayern Munich minus one spread at plus 155. So that means they have to win by two. Okay. And with the form that they've been in, uh, it should be easy in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Chelsea versus Real Madrid. Real Madrid at plus 290 is so juicy, too. So juicy. Uh, I just like the value there. So, you know what? I think I'm going to I'm gonna do four bets, right? I'll do I'll do the Madrid double dip as my two lock-it-ins, and then I'll do the two considers, one being Luis Diaz if he starts against Liverpool, and then the other one being Lewandowski first goal scorer at plus 185. I like it. So I have four. All right, Lucas, uh, with that being said, I mean, I, I haven't really looked too much into the, the games that are coming yeah. up, but uh, I don't think it matters. I think the Champions League is co- coming back. The league's coming back. So next week when we meet again, we can just recap everything that's going on. I like that idea. There really isn't too much going on when it comes to games this weekend. Uh, we did call out that the Champions League's coming back. Other than that, 
the fixtures are just pretty straightforward. Like teams that expect to win should win. Yeah, I agree ultimately. <laughs> and with that being said, it's time to enjoy them, Tuckers. Enjoy them, Tuckers, everybody. Talk to you next week.